important program. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Brace yourself, my dear friends, because today on Viewpoint, you're going to receive real answers. That's right, real answers to the Uvalde curse. The Uvalde curse is America's curse. And today on Viewpoint, we're going to see how deadly fatherlessness really is. Have you noticed how nobody but nobody but nobody, whether conservative or liberal, whether Republican or Democrat or in between, wants to talk about fatherlessness? But have you also noticed that almost all of the spurious shootings in America over the past 25 years have been accomplished by fatherless children, and particularly fatherless sons. Why is nobody talking about that? There's a reason. There is a reason, and it's because we don't want to talk about it. But then the question is, why don't we want to talk about it? That's what we're going to talk about here on Viewpoint today, and I'm glad that you joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Did you know that the United States is the world's leader in fatherless families? It didn't just happen recently. It actually happened in 1986 when the United States took over first place from Sweden. Fatherless families. More than 25 million of America's children don't live with their biological fathers. In 1960, the number of children living in single-parent families was about 5 million. Today, it exceeds 24 million. There is no other country that has a higher divorce rate than the United States. 40% of first marriage, actually it's more than that now. The rate was only 16% in 1960. Over 40% of children living with their mothers have not seen their fathers in at least a year. 72% of adolescent murderers grew up without fathers in the home. Should I repeat that? 72% of adolescent murderers, such as Mr. Salvador in Uvalde, grew up without fathers in the home. 60% of America's rapists grew up without fathers. 70% of incarcerated juveniles grew up without fathers. Fatherless children, by the way, are twice as likely to drop out of school. Fatherless children who exhibit violent behavior are 11 times more likely to do so than those living with with both of their parents, like Mr. Salvador and Uvalde. 75% of teen suicides occur in homes where a parent is absent. Fatherless children are five times more likely to live in poverty than children living with both parents. And try this one on for size. 80% of adolescents in psychiatric hospitals supposedly needing mental and emotional care come from broken homes. 
Over 40% of America's children are born out of wedlock. In fact, it's close to 50% now. Approximately 70% plus in the black community. Roughly 75% of American children living without a father will experience poverty before the age of 11. And believe it or not, in our nation's capital, only 16% of our children live in a home with their father. Do you wonder what's happened to America and American culture? Try fatherlessness. It's not a mystery, friends. It's staring us in the face. In fact, not only are Christian observers declaring that fatherlessness is a the major crisis in our country, but secular sociologists and even politicians in quiet, in you know, when they're aside, will tell you fatherlessness is the number one issue, social issue facing America. The question, though, is why? Why is fatherlessness so great in the land of the free that's increasingly now becoming only the home of the brave, even for third and fourth grade children in Uvalde? The answer is not floating in the wind. It's not blowing in the wind. As the song used to say, the answer is blowing in the wind. No, the answer is not blowing in the wind. The answer is very much staring us in the face, but we don't want to hear it. Why don't we want to hear it? You see, nobody wants to ask and answer the why questions. It gets too close to home. But that's what we do here on Viewpoint. We get close to home. Because that's what God wants to do. Home is supposed to be where the heart is. But apparently, there's not much heart anymore in America's homes, even America's Christian homes. How do we know that? Because the divorce rate for the past 30 years in America's so-called Christian homes has nearly equaled that of the nation as a whole. And in the Bible Belt of America, yes, the Bible Belt of America for the past 25 years the divorce rate has exceeded the nation as a whole by 50%. 50%. So much so that the governors of six southern states about 15 years ago decided to take matters in their own hands because the pastors refused to do so. And they declared a marital emergency in those states. Southern states. Well, Texas is a southern state. The state from which this broadcast is airing is a southern state. And the southern states are supposed to be the most godly states. Apparently not. Maybe it's just a representation. Maybe it's just a kind of a religious, who knows, um, ritual, fashion, not really borne out in reality. And try this on for size. 93% of all people in prison are male. And 85% of them have no father figure. Do you think we might have a clue here? Do you think we might just be on to something here? Do you think we might be able to respond other than accusing guns of being the problem? 
or accusing mental illness of being the problem? Why are the guns being being focused and shot at innocent people? Because the sons of fathers who are not innocent are in pain, in chaos, in anger, in vitriol, and they're taking it out on the rest of society, including third and fourth graders in Uvalde. Uvalde's curse, my friends, is America's curse. And that's why God calls fatherlessness a curse and is warning us about it. Are you ready for this today here on Viewpoint? Real answers for troubled times? I hope so. Viewpoint does it. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's morals slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Who does not and cannot lament the loss of 19 innocent third and fourth graders there in Uvalde, Texas? Who cannot lament the loss of two innocent school teachers there in Uvalde, Texas, at the hands of an 18-year-old gunman? But he was 18, still a teenager, but he had no father in the home. In fact... As best I can figure out, he was raised by two women, sort of. His mother wasn't much present. His grandmother was present. And he shot his grandmother. The man just went crazy. The man, the young man, Salvador, yes, he had emotional problems, but why did he have emotional problems? He had no anchor for his body or his soul. He had nothing. His family had virtually abandoned him. He had no father. We don't know why he had no father. I wasn't even able to determine whether or not they were divorced. Maybe they had a child out of wedlock. Maybe he was a, what the Bible calls a bastard. We don't know yet, but we do know he was fatherless. And he was under a curse. He was living a curse. And therefore, he became a curse upon the rest of us. Because we refuse, absolutely from pulpit to pew, from the church house to the White House, refuse, refuse, refuse to come to grips with the reasons for fatherlessness. They go to the very creation, ordinance, and purpose of God. And that's why God calls fatherlessness a curse. Now, before we go any further on this and begin to lay out uh, more specifically uh, what can be done, how these things are taking place, and why, I want to take you back to the book of Malachi. You see, God is a father. 
He represents himself as a father over and over again. Jesus constantly referred to God as the Father. He said, I don't do anything I don't see my Father do. I don't say anything that I don't hear my Father say. In other words, he modeled his life on earth by that of his Father. So I want to ask you a question. By whom do your children or grandchildren model themselves on this earth? Be careful in your answer, because they will model themselves according either for good or for bad, either for blessing or for cursing, based upon what they see and experience in their father's life or absence. You just can't get away from it. That's why I wrote a book called Hearts of the Fathers. Hearts of the Fathers leaving a legacy that lasts. Hearts of the Fathers leaving a legacy that lasts. I don't know of a single man, a single father, that really would say, well, I don't want to leave a legacy that lasts. No. The problem is we're all leaving a legacy that lasts for better or for ill. We're all leaving a legacy. Have you considered that? And what is that legacy that we're leaving? We're not talking about money now. We're not even talking about words themselves because words are cheap. We're talking about the reality of our lives. So right now, this is a perfect time for reflection, isn't it? We're going to seize the moment. Strike when the iron's hot. We're not going to call uh, all kinds of people out their names. We're not going to go on an agenda, a political agenda against guns or uh, for campaigning for more emotional and uh, uh, mental health and control. That's not the problem. Those are the symptoms of the problem. But today on Viewpoint, we're going to look on the real problem. That's what we always do on Viewpoint. And that's why some have said, you just can't listen to Viewpoint long and not be changed. So let's go back to Father God for a moment. Father God inspired Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament, to write some very interesting words. Malachi was the final prophet of the Old Testament. He uh, was the final prophetic voice before 400 years of prophetic silence before the coming of Christ. And here's what he said. Chapter 4, the book of Malachi, closing out the book, the final words of God's grace and mercy to Israel and the world before the second coming of Christ. Are you ready for it? Before the great and terrible day of the Lord, I will send forth the spirit of Elijah the prophet to call the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I strike the earth with a curse. Friends, 
the curse is here. We have witnessed the curse this week in Uvalde, Texas. We wish, uh, have witnessed the curse up and down the East Coast and across the country over and over and over again from Columbine up to Sandy Hook and all over the country. We have witnessed the curse over and over again for the past 30 years. And it's always coming from a fatherless child. As I was thinking about this program here today, a song came to my mind. A song of the past, some might call it a Negro spiritual, it came out of that particular era, and it goes like this. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. A long way from home. Why the motherless child? You see, I thought we were talking about fathers. We are. Why would that song be focused on mothers? Because the fathers were gone. That's why. The only one left was the mother. Are you listening? And the same is true in black America today. Now, Mr. Salvador was not African-American or black that I know of. He appears to be Hispanic. His name seems to be Hispanic. But the reality is that over 70% of black children in America are fatherless. Why do you think our prisons are filled with the majority of black young men? It's not a mystery. It's not racism. It's the lack of righteousness. Period. That's the explanation. From God's viewpoint, that's the explanation. You can come up with whatever other ideas you want to come up with, but they're excuses. They're not reasons. It's time to pass away the excuses, friends, and focus on reality from God's viewpoint. Fatherlessness is a curse. From the Father's viewpoint, God the Father, the absence or abandonment by fathers is a consummate curse It's an ultimate and consuming curse on creation and on all created beings. I want you to think for a moment about one of the last words of Jesus there on the cross. Here he had been fellowshipping with the Father during his three and a half years of ministry on the planet. He's crucified. He takes upon himself the sin of the world that separates him from the Father. It was his consummate purpose for coming. When Jesus cried out on the Mount of Olives in Gethsemane, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me before his crucifixion. Why? What cup was it that he wanted taken away? Was it just the crucifixion and the pain of the crucifixion? No. You know what it really was? Separation from his father. 
And so in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, he cries out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, do you know what? That's what America's sons and daughters are crying out every single day, and it's coming out in mental health issues, it's coming out in violence, it's coming out in sexual promiscuity, it's coming out in AIDS, it's coming out in uh, all kinds of different uh, perversities. The curse is upon us. The curse of Uvalde is America's curse, my friends. And sin separates us from the Father. The sins of the fathers separate them from their sons and daughters. That's why in the scriptures, if you will read in the Old Testament, God is continually focusing on the fathers, the sins of the fathers. What does he say? The sins of the fathers will be visited on the third and fourth generations. The sins of the fathers. That's a legacy, friends. This is not a game, and it's not something that just happens fortuitously. It happens intentionally. When we do not intend to be godly fathers, we intend to be ungodly fathers by, by definition. When Christian men are addressed concerning this matter of fatherhood, they never want to hear it, almost never want to hear it. Why? Because they don't want to bear the responsibility of fathering. They want to do their own thing. They're a bunch of Frank Sinatras saying, I'll do it my way. Thank you very much. And by the way, if I really get desperate, Lord, I'll send up a smoke signal. So, what we're looking at is the horror of separation and fatherlessness, both physical and spiritual, that's become a defining characteristic of our time. And what what time is this that we're in? It's the time just preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is the very moment that God, in his mercy and his compassion, was warning us about through the prophet Malachi. It's the next-to-last message that God gives to the earth before Christ comes. The message of the hearts of the fathers. It's a warning, but it's also a wooing. Father God, having established fathering as a divine ordinance of creation, says, you've missed it up so bad. And I'm trying, trying, trying to give you a final chance to get it right. The question is, will we hear his voice? Do you hear his voice? Now, I want to make available to you a book of hope. A book of helpful hope for such a time as this. It's called Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy that lasts. When I wrote this book, the founders of WorldNet Daily 
They saw the manuscript and they begged me for them to publish this book. Why? Because I say this is the most important message of our time. It wasn't political. It went to the heart of the matter. Building an Eternal Legacy. It's a $23 hardbound book, and it's yours for $18 on our website. $18. What a blessing this book will be to any pastor, any parachurch leader, any broadcaster, any father, any pastor, any grandfather. I tell you, friends, this book should be a man's best friend and a pastor's best friend. It's on our website, saveus.org, Hearts of the Fathers. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. God the Father is insisting that our time is now for fathers. This is our time. You may think of Esther in the book of Esther, who knows but what you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. But dads, grandfathers, I want to tell you with hope in my heart, but also pain, now is your moment. This is your moment. This is our moment of truth in the valley of decision. Will we or won't we seize the moment, carpe diem, seize the day, and become the men, the husbands, the fathers, the godly husbands, fathers, and uh, grandfathers that God has intended for us to be? Time is very short. We can't put it off anymore. Can't put it off anymore. God is telling us time is very short. Very, very short. If you look at what's happening in our world, you look at the collapse of true democratic forms of government and the installation of a new one-world global order that will take away freedom and remove joy how much different how different will it be then to be a godly father now with hope amid the horror of separation why then has fatherless both physical and spiritual become a defining characteristic of our time 
How could such a thing be if we are truly awaiting the second coming of Christ as the blessed hope of the church? That's, it's a rhetorical question we have to answer because what it does, it probes to the deepest recesses of our own hearts and homes. Here are a couple of questions. In what ways, either large or seemingly small, have my own attitudes and actions contributed to the greater culture of fatherlessness? Be honest. What have I done as a father or not done that likely has portrayed or displayed a false or unfaithful image of both good and godly fatherhood? Here's another one. If my example were replicated 10 million times, what might the effect have been in defining the father's model of fathering throughout our country? Again, has the Holy Spirit nudged me from time to time on these points? How have I responded? Have I resisted, procrastinated, given temporary lift service, or just ignored him? Now, Ray Williams is an executive coach and speaker, and he said this, America is rapidly becoming a fatherless society. The importance and influence of fathers has been in significant decline since the Industrial Revolution and is now reaching critical proportions. Alexander Mischelik wrote a book called Society Without a Father. He said there has been a progressive loss of the father's authority and diminution of his power in the family and over the family. David Blankenhorn wrote the book Fatherless America. Years ago, he joined us here on this program. He said fatherlessness is the most harmful demographic trend of our generation. David Popino, professor of sociology at Rutgers University, who also previously joined us here on this program, said, if present trends continue, the percentage of children living apart from their biological fathers will reach 50% by the next century. This massive erosion of fatherhood contributes to many of the major social problems of our time. You know when he wrote that? Last century. It's already reached 50%. The cover story of Newsweek magazine. August 30th, 1993. The very year the Lord spoke to my heart that I had been pleading the cause of men long enough. He wanted me to plead his cause in the land as a voice to the church, declaring vision for the nation, America's greatest crisis hour. That very year, the cover story of Newsweek was a world without fathers, the struggle to save the black family. Now, I want you to consider this. In 1994, that was the year after we formed Save America Ministries. On October 31st, 1984, exactly one year after we formed Save America Ministries, the United States Congress declared the year of the Father in America. 
I want you to think about that. Now, you may think, well, that was a great thing. Well, maybe yes and maybe no. You know why they declared 1994 the year of the father? Because fatherhood had already lost its momentum in America. It was almost as if it was an in excuse me, an in memoriam to fatherhood. Let me tie this in a little closer. On April 5th, 1995, excuse me, April 5th, 1993, Time Magazine, cover story, front cover, across. In the lower right-hand corner were these words, the generation that forgot God. Now bear in mind, this was 20 Nine years ago. One year before Congress declared the year of the Father. Now, why are all these things coming together at the same time? Here's the reason. Because when Time Magazine declared the generation that forgot God on April 5th, 1993, What it was really saying is, it wasn't the generation that was going to forget God, it was the generation that already had forgotten God. So guess what? The reality is that fatherhood was one of the first casualties of forgetting God. And the whole generation before 1993 had already forgotten God. You see, fatherhood and what's happened to fathers is actually the symptom of our abandoning Father God as our authority. It's a symptom. It's a proof of what has happened and why it has happened. So, now that we have gone through much analysis We want to go through and take a look at what can we do? How can we reverse this trend? Now, Rome wasn't built in a day, friends, and it's not going to be rebuilt in a day. These things have happened over the past, well, certainly since 1968, when Ronald Reagan, as governor of California, declared no-fault divorce in California that spread like wildfire all over the country. The divorce culture, now embraced and perpetuated by pastors and politicians and people, has to be rejected as fundamentally self-destructed, destructive to faith, family, fatherhood, and the future. Divorce is not biblically authorized. Period. It is an act of disbelief, unbelief, rebellion, and defiance against the Creator Himself. Jesus said so. When the religious leaders of His day tried to rationalize just like they do today, didn't Moses give us the authorization to give a uh, bill of divorcement? Jesus said, come on, guys, you know better than that. From the very beginning, it was never so. That was not God's will. You know that. 
It was the hardness of your hearts. Come on, be honest about it. It's the hardness of your heart. Guess what the leading driver of fatherlessness is in America today? Would you like to know what it is? Divorce. Nothing even close. The progressive cultural calamities that have ripped through our homes and hearts is the leading cause of poverty also. The false compassion that's driven the lordship of feelings in our culture, in the church, is destroying fatherhood and destroying our children and our grandchildren and 19 children in Uvalde and the next mass shooting across the country, all caused by exactly the same problem that we refuse to talk about because our nation from pulpit to pew is in monstrous rebellion against God. We don't like Father God. Did you know that the pursuit of climate now and Mother Earth is a direct illustration of defiance against Father God? We don't like Father God. We'd rather have Mother Earth. We'd rather have Mother Mary than Jesus. Are you beginning to listen? Masculinity is taboo because we don't want any authority over us. We are our own authority. And when children grow up without any fatherly authority in the home, You can mark the time when they're going to rebel, and it may come out with the barrel of a gun. What comes second? What do we have to do second? We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. I beg of you to get a copy of the book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts, a book of hope a book that will direct fathers and grandfathers, any man, to a position of catching or recapturing a vision for godly leadership in the sphere of his life. I have been convinced since the moment I wrote this book that this would be a pastor's best friend 
Pastors do not know how, by their own admission, do not know how to reach men. They're having a terrible time all across the country. That's why women increasingly are becoming the leaders of the church. The men are defaulting at every point, not just with their kids, in everything. They won't read the Bible. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yes, there's no question about it. There is attack on men and on masculinity. But men, as the coach says, when the going gets tough, the tough need to get going. And it's tough time for men, time for us, who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ, to begin to be doers of the word and not hearers only, engaging in massive self-deception and cursing our children. Don't you think? This book catches, helps to capture a vision. What can I do? How can I go about doing it? It's written very differently than any other book about fathers. This is not a take-me-out-to-the-ball-game book. You're not going to get one child into heaven by buying peanuts and Cracker Jacks at a Los Angeles uh, Dodgers game. You're just not going to do it. It's not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not a priority. The closest thing the Bible has anything to say about baseball is Genesis chapter 1 in the beginning. You could read it, the big inning. That's the closest thing. Now, I like baseball, but I like a lot of things more than baseball, including investing myself in my children and grandchildren. All right, divorce is the leading cause of fatherlessness. What is the second leading cause of fatherlessness? Well, it follows right behind divorce. Unwed childbirth. Marriage has been demeaned by freewheeling divorce attitudes that began with the so-called no-fault divorce in 1968, spread across the country. Uh, now pastors divorce their spouses at the same, as a rate equal to that of the parishioners, according to a Hartford Seminary study. How could such a thing happen when God says he hates divorce? It's because we don't hate the things that God hates. We just don't have the Father's mind. We don't have the, the mind of Christ either. It's interesting because now, in the last two to three years, all the news magazines across the country have confirmed that cohabitation has now replaced marriage as the number one manifestation of so-called family life in America. Cohabitation. In other words, fornication. You know what the Bible says about that? Have you ever read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where the Apostle Paul writes about these issues of uh, sexual behavior from God's viewpoint? He said, don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor practicing homosexuals and so on are going to inherit the kingdom of God. Not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So how do you think your children are going to inherit the kingdom of God if you're practicing these things? You see, it's like a domino effect, and that's what we're reaping. We've sown the wind, reaping the whirlwind. 
Does that mean there's no hope for you? No, repent. That's the most hope-filled word in the Bible. But you can't repent if you don't admit that you've sinned, that we've sinned, that we have not been godly fathers. We have not been godly grandfathers. We have not been godly uh, pastors and fathers of the people. We played the game, pandering to the kids. We can't do that anymore. In 1997, believe it or not, U.S. News and World Report, when it was still in print, warned that contrary to popular belief, many more adults over 20 years of age than teenagers were giving birth to kids out of wedlock. You'd be amazed at that cover story. In 1997, Now, cohabitation has surpassed marriage as the family foundation of choice. Now, the psalmist said in Psalm 11.3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So, what can we do? That's the question. What can we do, or what should we do? Well, it would seem that genuine compassion from the Father's heart demands that we confront the root of this carnage, not with cultural arguments like gun control and uh, more health care or more mental health care and so on. Those problems, friends, are the echoing consequences of our fundamental rebellion. Rebellion against God's concept and command concerning marriage, concerning uh, sexual purity and so on, and concerning training up our children in the nurture and the way of the Lord. So what are you going to do? What, my friend, are you going to do? Are you going to become part of the cultural cry out there that's always making excuses for political purposes and trying to wring your hands like a foolish little child while purposely ignoring the real problem? God's not ignoring it. He sees it all. He sees our foolishness. He sees our rebellion. He's not fooled by it at all. And that's why, that's why God in his great mercy and love and compassion as a father gave that amazing message to Malachi, through Malachi, to Israel, and to all of us. The next to last message before the second coming of Christ. Right there in Malachi chapter 4, that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, that is when God's wrath is poured out on the children of disobedience, that is those who refuse to obey his voice, whether they claim the name of Christ or not, Those who are refusing to obey God's voice are the children of disobedience. And that's who his wrath will be poured out upon. So he says, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, when God's wrath is poured out on the children of disobedience, he will send forth the spirit of Elijah the prophet, calling the hearts of the fathers to the children 
and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Why? Because of the terrifying curse that comes when we don't listen. That's what he said. Would you like to know what the final message that God brings to the earth is before the second coming? It's in the book of Revelation, chapter 14. It's brought by an angel, not by Elijah, but by an angel. The angel says, Fear God, glorify him, and worship him that made heaven and earth. Three things. Fear God. Now, if we refuse to repent and become the kind of godly fathers that God is calling us to be, to leave a truly godly legacy, if we refuse to do that, guess what? We don't fear God. Obviously, we don't fear God, by definition. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So a father who is truly a father and has the father's heart for fatherhood fears God and is going to obey him. beginning with raising up sons and daughters also who will obey him because they love him. Second, he says, glorify God. In other words, give him what the, the response that is due him as God because we're not God. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says that one of the biggest problems is that knowing God, we refuse to honor and obey him as God. Therefore, he gives us up to a reprobate mind, and our foolish minds and hearts become darkened. You can read about it there in Romans chapter 1, starting around verse 13, 14. Finally, the third message that the angel brings is very simple. Worship him that made heaven and earth. In that simple statement, it is saying, if you believe in evolution, you do not believe in the God of the Bible. By definition. Because from the very beginning, he says, I created heaven and earth. I created humankind. I created all the animals. I created... uh, plant life, and so on, I created. If you say, following whoever's countermanding authority, no, it all happened through some natural process. You have set yourself against the God of the Bible, and there is no more remedy for you unless you repent. Do you see how things are coming down to the wire? On this program, we don't hesitate to tell the truth. I don't owe my soul to the company store. We're not dependent upon any man's money or any business to tell us what we can say or not say. I'm dependent totally on what God says. Yes, I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like you do. And when I speak like this, strongly... I'm also speaking to myself. 
When I wrote this book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy to Last, don't you think that there was a profound sense in which I was evaluating my own life? Oh, my goodness. One of the reasons this was the easiest book of all of the ten books I have written, the easiest book to write, is because it came so profoundly from the heart of experience as a father. I hope you'll get a copy of it. Father's Day is coming up. We've got to do something, friends. As Edmund Burke once said there in not-so-jolly-old England, he said, I can't do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I should do, and by the grace of God, I will do. Is that you? You're going to be captured even by the front cover of this book. Every woman that sees it is drawn to it. And you will be too, my father friend, if you have a father's heart. It's a $23 hardbound book, yours for $18, on our website, saveus.org. You might want to consider giving, getting a copy for your sons, your sons-in-law, your grandsons, your pastor, those that you care about, because time is short, and what we do, we must do quickly. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner, friend, send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries, the book on our website, saveus.org. SaveUs.org. Give us a call. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 from Washington Hanley. And become a partner, friends. We're confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and hope from God's eternal perspective. 27 years now. Become a partner. God bless. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.